Okay, guys, today, um, I just want us to begin to desire that people get healed uh, in the city. And so today we'll be talking about healing. And if you go to Romans chapter 15, Romans 15, 18 to 21, Phoebe, maybe that's not a good idea. Um, Romans 15, 18 to 21. I'm reading from the New, from the new Living Translation. Romans 15, 18 to 21. So when I'm talking about healing, I'm talking about the fact that revivals should have healing as an essential component. People must be saved and people must be healed. Uh, that is the nature of the full gospel. And I'm praying tonight that that be something that God grants to us so that through us, like we sang, they may know that they can be healed, that they may know that he is their portion. Because it always went together and uh, it was something that was prophesied over uh, Acts 29 in 2005, 2006, where a man who did not know me, he met me much later. His name was Keith Abrahams. He was a guy who used to con conduct all-night worship services in the city. And so one of our... Um, guys from Acts 29 went there. When she went there, he began to prophesy. And one of the things he prophesied over Acts 29 was that there are wells of healing in this church. And this was before there was a church. I think there was <laughs> two or three. We just barely made the church definition. And so uh, that's what we want to explore today. So in Romans 15, 18 to 21, the thing is, guys, I don't have the ability to make this happen Nobody has the ability to make this happen except God. So Romans chapter 15, 18 to 21. Here's what it says. From reading from the New Living Translation. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. Bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. This is Paul talking. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told, him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. So a few points to gather from that simple scripture I love the scripture. It's one of my favorite Paul scriptures. Uh, it starts with this idea that I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done. So only Christ can do this, what Christ has done. Nobody else can do this. What are we asking for? That God show himself uh, as we take the gospel out, that he show himself through signs and wonders uh, in this present revival, in the lives of the teens to 30s and in the lives of ones who are older. And that it becomes such a natural part of our lives that we hunger for it with the same compassion that Jesus had. And we'll talk about that. I'm just running ahead because I can't keep it all together. So what Christ has done through me is, will be a boast. The, uh, the great thing is, guys, uh, this church has devolved enough uh, to the point where Everybody and anybody can do this. 
so you don't have to bring them to a place to get this done. So this is not like a crusade where someone is a healer and everybody comes and gets healed there. That's when this kind of doesn't work, where what Christ has done through us, the boast doesn't work because everyone seems to have to come to a certain place and meet with a certain person for what Christ needs to be done, to be done. But this church over the last two and a half or three years has devolved enough and has grown up enough to know that anybody and everybody can do this. And in the process, Christ is the one who does the work because nobody looks at you and thinks uh, you're someone important or you're someone famous or you're a pastor or you're anything. And yet through you, Christ begins to work. And then Paul goes on to say, this is how I brought to the Gentiles my message and this is how I worked among them. This is how I worked among them. This is how I worked among them. And then he goes on to explain how he worked among them. And that's when he says that they were convinced by the power. They were convinced. I love that. That people were convinced. Who were convinced? The Gentiles. Who shall we call Gentiles today? We shall just call Gentiles today anyone who does not know Jesus. And they were convinced or persuaded, they were convinced or persuaded by the power of miraculous signs, by the power of miraculous signs, by the power of miraculous signs. They were convinced or persuaded by the power of miraculous signs, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and the power of God's Spirit. And so we know who is behind this. It's the power of God's Holy Spirit. This is who was doing it. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere, and the Holy Spirit loves being expressed through you. It's one of his favorite things to do. Get up, Jacob, get up. We've got things to do and places to go. You are my hands, you are my feet, you are my mouth today. Get up, let's go. I've got work to do. That's the Holy Spirit's attitude every morning. What, you're going to sleep already? There are still six hours left. <laughs> that is the attitude. I think Don was falling off to sleep just now. So, that, that's the Holy Spirit's uh, desire that, yes, he's the one who does the miraculous signs and wonders, but he preferred doing it through flesh and blood. And then Paul goes on to say, in this way I presented the gospel. In this way, I presented the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? So he presented the gospel, and we talked about what the gospel is. And he said, I presented the gospel this way. Which way? This way. I presented the gospel this way. By miraculous signs and wonders. They were convinced by this, by the power of God's Spirit. I presented the good news of Christ. Where? Only in Jerusalem? No, from Jerusalem to Illyricum. All across. From Abbotsford to White Rock to Twasen. And then Paul goes on to say, My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather, uh, sorry, listen to this, eh? Um, my ambition has always been to preach the good news. And how do you preach the good news and present the good news? You preach the good news and present the good news with 
accompanying power of miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit. And his ambition has been to preach this good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. This is in New Living Translation. I love that. Rather than where a church has already been started. So our, uh, our, uh, on one hand, we want to ignite uh, the uh, teen to 30s uh, that exist in churches so that there's a blazing purity and devotion, devotion and passion for Christ. On the other hand, our intent should be for those that have not yet seen who Christ is. That's the nature of a revival. When it happens only within the church, that's a reform, that's reformation. Revival is when it spreads outside of the church because people outside are being drawn in. I've been following the plan spoken of in scriptures and what is this plan? And I love it. Paul keeps going back to the blueprint. He cannot afford to become someone who just does theology in a church like we are prone to do, like I am prone to do. But he says, I go back to the scriptures and here's what it says in scriptures. Those who have never been told about him will see. I love it. Listen to this. Those who are, it's strange the juxtaposition of words. Those who have never those who have never heard, those who have never heard will see. Isn't that amazing? Here he uses the word heard, here he uses the word see. Those who have never heard will see. Those who have never been told about him will see. It's not those who have never heard about him will hear. Those who have never heard about him will see. And those who have never heard about him will understand. Seeing and understanding comes through both words and deeds. Words and deeds. I want us to begin to think of this revival that is going global, starting with us, starting here. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. This happened after Sunday. So um, I pulled out this box that is hidden in one of the cupboards in my house and I pulled out the box and out of the box came a blue file from 2006, 2007 when we didn't have iPhones and we used to have to write things on paper. Uh, and so I pulled, pulled it out and there's this paper on which in 2007, April or thereabouts, were the words that I've written that we will be forbringers of revival uh, that will be followed by the wind of the Holy Spirit and fire and that it will not be a revival known for just power but will be known more for purity and devotion. This was in April of 2007. Just blew my mind, man. That 14 years ago, this had been written down and I didn't even know it. I'm pulling it out after 14 years and looking at it. These are the things that begin to persuade me that God is in this business. And that is not our imagination. What words, eh? You will be the forbringer of revival across the earth with the w and the wind and fire of the Holy Spirit will follow. And this revival will not be known just for the power of the Holy Spirit but for purity and devotion. 
and this was just Monday or Tuesday that I found it, I was quite um, taken with it because we've been talking about God coming into this revival as a purifier and uh, to think that he had already spoken about it and it's been lying there for the last 14 years while he's preparing us for a time such as this. So be encouraged, church. I want us to see um, miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit at part and parcel of a revival. You cannot separate it. It's words and deeds like I've just read. So just keep these things in mind, both for yourself and for people that you will meet. The first scripture that I want to look at is Matthew 8, 17. Matthew 8, 17 and Isaiah 53, 4. And if you were to combine both Matthew 8, 17 and Isaiah 53, 4, and if you were to read it from different versions, basically what it says is that he took um, our sicknesses and diseases um, upon himself. But if you were to read NLT, if you were to read Message, if you were to read NIV, if you were to read NKJV, if you were to read ESV, you were able to combine all the words used and Isaiah 53 verse 4. Here's what you would come up with. It's beautiful. This is what you need to think for yourself and you need to think for others. That he, as in Jesus, took, um, carried, removed. These are the words used. Write it down and carry it with you. Memorize it. That Jesus took, carried, removed my slash our sicknesses. Isaiah 53, 4 says the same thing. He carried our griefs and our sorrows. And then if you look at the word griefs and sorrows, you realize what it actually means in Hebrew. Sicknesses, diseases, Infirmities. These are the different words used, eh? Weaknesses. Um, pain. Sorrow. Grief. Disfigurement. This is what Matthew 8, 17 and Isaiah 53 verse 4, if you combine them together, says. And I thrill at this. I thrill at this. That Jesus took, so he takes it. Then Jesus carries, as in it carries it on himself. And then Jesus removes, as in he gets rid of it. What? He takes, carries and removes my, our, sicknesses, diseases, infirmities, weaknesses, pain, sorrow, grief, illnesses, disfigurement. One of the um, dramas or skits that always leaves an impression on me is that one which we did ages ago at Acts 29, where as uh, Jesus touches someone who is sick, his body takes on that sickness. Uh, when he touches someone who is blind, his 
uh, eyes go blind. Uh, I remember doing that ages ago uh, at Acts 29. The point being that he takes all this on. If he takes all this on, it then means that if he has taken this, I can resist and rebuke these because he removed them. This is the reason we are called to resist and remove, resist and rebuke any such things. These are conditions that Jesus carried for me. These are conditions that Jesus carried for me. These are conditions that Jesus, because he carried them for me. Because he carried them for me. These are conditions he carried for me. Because he carried for them for me, when they come on me, I don't have to carry them again. I must resist them, I must rebuke it. To rebuke is to say, no, I do not want to carry this. I, I refuse to carry it. I say, go away, Jesus carried them for me. Which is why I love the first song, Forever God is Faithful. It was not a crucifixion item. It didn't cease after that. Forever God is faithful. He's not a past, present, future God. Therefore, it is not possible for anybody to say that these things stopped. If he is unchanging, then they continue. This is critical for our understanding, both for ourselves and for others, because we think that this only applies to Christians. Sure, Christians can appropriate it easily, but he carried it not for Christians. He carried it for you before you were a Christian so that you can appropriate it when you are a Christian and you can give it to others now that you are a Christian. He carried this. The greater your confidence in this, the greater uh, will be your confidence to give it. That which you have freely received, you can freely give. That which you are struggling with, you will, not str you will struggle to give away. Remember that always, guys. What you struggle to receive, you will struggle to give away. What you have freely and received, You'll freely give away. You show it to me and then you eat it, eh? Mm. Ah, any questions on this? This is brilliant. So many things he takes care of. And so I remember Renita. I remember Justin. And I want them to have the same, I want them to have the same kind of healing that um, I want myself to experience always, I want others to experience, it's the same thing that I want Ranita to experience. And this gives me confidence that Jesus has carried Ranita and Justin's sickness, disease, infirmity, weakness, pain, sorrow, grief, disfigurement, and therefore we can now rebuke it because he has carried it. The second scripture that I want us to look at is Isaiah 53.5 and 1 Peter 2.24. Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.5 and 1 Peter 2.24. They say the same thing. Isaiah 53.5 and 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. 
and Isaiah 53, 5. Basically what it says is because Jesus was whipped, because Jesus was whipped, I, we, am healed. Because Jesus was whipped, I'm healed. Because Jesus was whipped, I'm healed. Or we are healed. Because Jesus was whipped, we are healed. How does that work? It's a great exchange, guys. It's a great exchange. That whole chapter is a chapter of great exchange. So what's the exchange we are talking about? He was whipped. He was whipped. And in the process of being whipped, all that was on me. All that was a result of sin. All that was sent against me by Satan. All that, all this, all this in the whipping falls on him. And all that is on Jesus, all that is on Jesus, as in wholeness, healing, life, peace comes to me. This is a great exchange. Isaiah 53, 5 and 1 Peter 2, 24 are basically encapsulating the great exchange in these simple words. By his stripes you were healed. As in, when I was whipped you were healed. How, Jacob? Because all that was on you, all that was sent against you, all that you perhaps deserve because of your sin, all that fell on me as those um, scourges tore my back. But even as they were tearing my back and all that was put on me, I was putting on you what belonged to me and what belongs to me is very simple. Wholeness, life, healing, peace. All that was mine became yours. All that was yours was put on me. This is why he was whipped and therefore by his whipping we are healed. And this is an eternal truth till we enter eternity. What is my response then? I can release and receive healing because Jesus was whipped for this exchange. I can receive and release healing. I can receive healing. Uh, Jesus, this is the great exchange. You're giving me your wholeness, your peace, your life, your healing, and you're taking on yourself that which is sent against me, that which is a result of sin, that which is disease and decay on my body. You, you took it by your stripes. And by the same stripes you release to me wholeness, life, healing, and peace. I receive it, O oh God. And Jesus, you didn't do this for just me. You did this for the entire world. I release it, O oh God. I release it. We sometimes hesitate to say over non-Christians that by his stripes you are healed. But the truth is, by his stripes they are healed too. We think that is reserved only for Christians. By his stripes they are healed. The only difference is when you say by his stripes you are healed, they don't understand it. That may be the only good reason for not saying it. But the reason behind it is this. 
he was striped for their healing. If he was crucified for their sins, he was also striped for their healing. It's a, it's, it's a phraseology that perhaps is not uh, legible to them. So you say be healed, but understand the mechanics behind it. Guys, if these truths become solid in our hearts, then it is very easy to give away solid truths to others. When it's not solid in our hearts, then it becomes difficult to give it away because we are struggling with it. I was telling someone yesterday, it doesn't matter how many times I may have been healed in my life, when I'm struggling with sickness, the one place you go back to is scriptures. You rediscover the power and the faithfulness of God, how he did it, why he did it, and what he is able and willing to do today. 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 He does this because of his tremendous love. We can never remove the love of God as a father towards us. Believe these truths, eh? Marinate in them. If anyone ever wants to know about healing, send them to this particular live stream. It's very simple. It's scriptural. I'm not adding anything. Just giving you simple scriptures and explaining them exactly as they are written. The next scripture you want to look at is Psalm 103. Psalm 103 verse 3 and James chapter 5 verse 15. Psalm 103 verse 3 James chapter 5 verse 15. And it says, He forgives all my sins, He heals all my diseases. He forgives all my sins, He heals all my diseases. It also says, Hey, confess your sins. Sometimes one to another, other times, even when an elder comes and lay hands, lays hands on you, or a believer comes and lays hands on you, know that your sins are forgiven and your sickness is healed. Receive forgiveness of sins, eh? And healing of diseases. Receive forgiveness of sins. Receive forgiveness of sins. Receive forgiveness of sins. Never hesitate if there is something sinful that you are aware of to just confess it to the Lord. Receive forgiveness of sins. And receive healing from sickness. They go together. This is why he was striped and then he went to the cross. Sickness and sin are both taken care of. I love Psalm 103. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. It is so plainly put in the Old Testament. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. Where is the room in the scripture to do some kind of acrobatics? How do you escape the scripture? What convoluted logic will you have to come up with to somehow find a way to nullify the scripture? He forgives all your sins. Aha, I know one way to do this. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases once you get to heaven. Really? But in heaven anyways, there's no tears, no fears. So what would he need to forgive you there for? He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases here. Now we will prove it, right? 
we will prove it through our lives. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Next scripture. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. And uh, Ephesians 6, 13. If you combined both, it would sound like this. After having done everything, stand. After having done everything. After having done everything, stand. Fully persuaded that what God has promised He will do. Hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who he is. When all the scriptures that we went through are understood, are seen, are stood on, you stand not on the promise. I've said this before, but it's worth saying it again for those who haven't heard this before, you don't stand on the promise, you stand on the nature of God and the heart of God. The heart of God is expressed through his nature. Stand on the nature of God, not on the promise of God. You stand on the promise of God, you, you're, you're standing on something, holding on to it like crazy. You stand in the nature of God, you're being carried by someone who loves you. Big difference, eh? Perhaps where the faith movement may have gotten it wrong or could have done better is if, if they'd shifted from the promise of God to the nature of God. From the promise of God to the nature of God. So after having done all the above, stand fully persuaded that your God will do what he said he will do. And prove it. It's, it's our great privilege to prove the faithfulness of God before a watching world. It's our great privilege. It's my great privilege. It is my humble privilege to prove before a watching world the faithfulness of a good father, a good God, whose nature is that of love and healing. It's a humble privilege we've been given. Don't, we, don't, don't get weary, huh? Don't get weary. And when you get weary, know that someone is comforté, strengthener, comforter. Spirit of God is always there. Let's collapse into his arms. Become dead weight for him. That is for us so that we may walk in it. That is for us so that we may understand it as we step into this revival that is going to be global. Uh, there's something you need to understand. And this is again very presumptuous and boastful if it weren't for some of these very obvious signs that God is giving us. 
how things begin is how they spread. So if we are able to receive everything that God wants to pour as ingredient into this revival, we are able to express it, agree with God, declare it, try to walk in it, then all the ingredients that we receive now is what this revival will contain. And therefore when it goes out, it only increases in potency. That's the other thing. Every successive wave has greater potency. But the ingredients we are willing to embrace right now, receive right now, acknowledge right now, manifest right now, believe right now, try and step out in right now, stand for right now, will become ingredients that then follow. With the Hebrides revival, it was the same. These two women, AD 84 or AD 82, they just were adamant that this is how it's going to be. And therefore, sometimes when you are receiving these ingredients and you want to mix them into the uh, revival bowl that God has prepared, uh, there can be things that make you think, nah, this doesn't work, or nah, uh, it's too big, it won't happen. Naturally, because once it starts going, it's like yeast, it begins to multiply. You don't think that there are interests in this universe that would so like this not to happen. The tricks are always the same. Kill something in its infancy and it'll never see the light of day. Two things, guys, that are old, old tricks from the beginning of time. Hybridize something at infancy, kill something at infancy. These are old devices of the devil. Either hybridize something at infancy so that what is produced is a mutation or a distortion or kill something at infancy so that it doesn't see the light of day. Which is why God writes this revival as a purifier. Which is why we won't go into it at all, but I want to throw it out there. Which is why the earth had to be wiped and it had to start afresh during the times of Noah because the earth was being hybridized. But we'll talk about that another day. <coughs> Which is why Herod went after Jesus, Pharaoh went after Moses. Why Ananias and Sapphira had to be taken out of the equation because it was a fledgling movement that would have been corrupted. Now for the way we approach the days ahead. We look at Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. 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 Let me just read it. I know you're familiar with it. 
anyone who believes. This is not new for you. Anyone who believes, and obviously it's talking about you. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And then it goes on to say, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Let's go to a um, usual version. Let's go with um, an IV. And these signs, and uh, the very idea of signs was that it's a wonder, it's not normal. These signs will accompany those who believe. These signs accompany me. That's all, eh? Think of what God is saying, what Jesus is saying. Hey, Jacob, don't know if you know this. Jesus may spell don't know differently. Don't know if you know this. But because uh, you believe, signs always accompany you. Really? Yeah. You know which ones? No, Lord, tell me. Here are the signs that accompany you. Um, in my name, you will drive out demons. You will speak in new, new tongues. You will pick up snakes with, their ha with your hands and when you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. You will place your hands on sick people and they will get well. So let's take two of them specific to this revival. In my name, you will drive out demons. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. I want you to be aware, Jacob, that these are the signs that accompany you because you believe. In my name, you will cast out demons. Guys, I think it acts when I'm May, may say this with confidence without boasting that you can't be taught more in terms of casting out demons or healing the sick it is now something we have to do and as we do and are shown to be faithful in doing it the way God asks us to do it and living lives that are supposed to be uh, glorifying him our domain will extend we start with something small and then it goes on I remember the first yeah I'll tell you about that later um, this is what, um, there's one ingredient in this that we must cry out for today. We'll be crying out for this. But what I want to cry out also for is compassion for the sick. Your heart must be moved. Everything that Jesus did, power flows out of Jesus because of compassion. It is not a power trip that Jesus is on. He's on a compassion trip. This is compassion that causes power to flow. If you go to Matthew 14, 14, it should be our MO. Matthew 14, 14.
I love this line. It says it so simply. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. So simple. So simple. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. How do we go about healing their sick? Laying hands on them and praying for their healing based on the understanding that we went through a little while ago. Someone paid for it. Compassion is this combination of love and mercy. Compassion comes from a word, rahem. It's a beautiful word. It's a word you find in Urdu and in Hindi too. Rahem means the love and uh, sympathy or pity or mercy that a mother has for a helpless child. R-A-H-A-M. Rahem. The point being, it's that kind of compassion. This is what motivates God, eh? And it must be what motivates us. And I I pray that we um, call out for that. And the strange thing is, they followed him. Guys, the other thing that will happen when we begin to operate like this is that his reputation will precede us. His reputation will precede us. And this is why I said what I said earlier. Usually when someone's reputation precedes them, you bring them to a place and you conduct a huge crusade. I'm saying because we have devolved, his reputation will precede you. You won't have to bring them to a place for something. Because now there are many places and many people. When it's a crusade, one person has to make a mistake and the whole thing is shut down. I remember I was in uh, Richmond. This was 1999 or thereabouts. I I was in Richmond near Bridgeport, near Costco in Richmond. And there was this man struggling to cross Bridgeport Road. He was in a wheelchair. And uh, he was trying to cross the road, couldn't get across. And then he started crossing and there were cars coming and he was stuck in between. And so I I was walking around and I saw him and so I pushed him across the road and it was heavy, eh, the wheelchair, because this was a big man and uh, pushed him across and then saw that um, he was in bad shape and he told me where his home was, so I pushed him towards the home. And during that time, Roland Tan was in town, the one who prayed uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, on New Year's Eve. Roland Tan was in town, so I remember pushing him home uh, his home was on near, near Beckman Place in Richmond, pushing him home and then finding his son and daughter and saying, uh, this, your dad was out and he didn't know how to get back home. And then I said to him, uh, hey, there's a man in town who uh, is conducting a healing meeting. Uh, do you guys want to come? And so they did bring him. The thing was, I didn't know what to do. But that was 1998. But what bothered me after that was one that I didn't know what to do and I had to bring him somewhere. And that shouldn't be the case with us. The other thing that then began to grab my heart is, man, if I have a leg ache or an elbow ache, I know how painful it is. What does the world do, man, when they go through these aches? What do you do? 
There were times after that that I would be driving and I would see someone who was laboring because they couldn't walk or who, who, who was struggling and I would want to stop my car and jump out and say, can I pray for you? Sometimes I would have the guts. Most times I would not have the guts. I want us to get to a place where seeing someone sick bothers you to the point that, hey, I know someone who can heal. Your question may be, but what about my cold or my elbow or my leg? Get that healed too, but that doesn't mean that till that happens, you can't do it for somebody else. Give away what you know is a sure thing. And we know something is sure, not because of any other reason, but because Jesus has said so and he is a promise keeper. That is why we know it's a sure thing. I'm saying that let's step out into absolute foolishness. Let us step out into absolute rejection. Let us step out into absolute derision by some people. Let us also step out into absolute healing. There'll be those that say, forget it. There'll be those that say, please do. And sometimes the results will be immediate, sometimes the results will be later. I'm asking today, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping now, I'm asking today that, oh God, please use this church to begin to heal people and then let this revival carry that as a mark. That across the earth, people will get healed. Not just young people now, but young people for sure, but different people getting healed. Back again, eh? Yeah. Do you mind not interrupting? I was in the middle of a very important point. Where are your parents? Tell them to take you. <laughs> That's what my call is. That, oh God, do this. Let me conclude with these thoughts. Let me conclude with this. That Keith Abraham, and I met him later, preached at his church, and he is a authentic man of God and um, Keith Abraham said that in this church and he didn't know anything about the church he didn't know there were three people in this church perhaps he wouldn't have prophesied had he known that but <laughs> he said that in this church are wells of healing and I'm reminded of Genesis 26 18 Genesis 26 18 I remember reading out Genesis 26 18 on Shekinah 1 Genesis 26 18 Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had, strangely it says, Abraham there, Keith Abraham. Don't worry, I'm just making that connection. You don't, you shouldn't. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So I'm saying, today's the day when I want to open up the wells that had been dug in the time before we were even formed, before the church was even formed, this well existed. It is the well of healing, which perhaps has been, uh, perhaps was stopped, doesn't matter. We are now going to open that well and we are going to give it the same name that our fathers had given them. And it is the well of healing. And then the other thing I want to pray is, oh God, as it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, that for all of us, for anybody who's listening, I really said long ago that I've taken off the Acts 29 label of this thing. For anybody who's listening, I want to pray Acts 4, 29 and 30. 
Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Can you put up that video, Don? Um, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That is another prayer I want to pray. Oh God, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I just want you to watch this video. Just a simple video that was shot a few days ago. And um, it's just to inspire us and then we'll go back into prayer. And we'll probably end with that song, um, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. Just watch this video and then we can start praying. May this video multiply many times through our lives. This dear, won't you run over? What's your name? Gary. Gary? Yeah. Gary and Gary is your son too. Yeah. Gary is your son and so right now, Father, we bring Gary and we do this because you tell us to do this. You love Gary. We love him too. So right now, Father, I bring Gary and I say, heal him of his heart disease. Mm -hmm. You have done this so many times before and I believe that you will do it again. In Gary's life, Father, let his heart stay strong. Soon after we pray, Father, let him feel a difference in his heart. Because I am not doing this, but Jesus is alive and he will do it for Gary. Mm -hmm. He came to this earth and he died so that many will live through him. So Father, I pray that Gary will have your blessings upon his life, that he will be able to find a place. And when his heart feels better and when he finds a place, that he will remember who did it for him. In your precious name, Jesus, I pray this video this is a stranger that you find he has a problem with his heart you on one hand give him something that will keep him warm on the other hand you begin to tell him about Jesus on the other hand you pray for his healing this must be natural for all of us because of what God is doing this is what Acts 29 should be and by Acts 29 I'm not talking about the church I'm talking about the chapter this is what stories in Acts 29 should have been. Paul left, Luke left, they couldn't write more. This name is good, it's meant for every church. 